All right. Here we go. Here we Saki Mogo. No. <laughs> um, I don't think you formatted that correctly. More like Saki, Saki Mo, Mo No. Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hillary. Hey. We were on the same page. Yeah. We got there. We got there. Well, now, now it is going to be in the show. All right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 108. 108? Welcome to episode 108. I don't know which of those I like better. I'm going to go with 108. It's a lot of episodes, whatever. It is. Yeah. 108 (laughs) of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG fan music podcast. I am your host, Mike Salvato, and I have three people with me today to talk about a composer that all of us like a lot. But before we get into the composer, I say this as if you are listening somewhere in some capacity in which you haven't already read the title, but I'm still going to keep it from you for some reason. <laughs> it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Um, anyway, yes. So, uh, along with me today, you've already heard two of my panel. Uh, Hillary is here. Hello. Um, we were talking off the air that we don't remember the last podcast you were on, but it seems like it's been a little while. Yeah, I had a bunch of real life stuff getting in the way, but really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy you are too. Greg is here as well from the far reaches of the north of, I don't know. I didn't have a Northern good Northern Pacific area. Of- I didn't have a good Canada <laughs> joke today. <laughs> but yes, I am here from Canada. And hello, thanks for having me back. Uh, it hasn't been, as I don't think, as long as Hillary, but um, it's been a few episodes since I've been able to come on and chat with folks. Yeah. And uh, I don't think uh, our last person here has been absent for quite as long, but Audra is here as well. Hello. I have not. I've been on for a couple. Yeah. You, yeah. You've become one of the most regular people, I think. Like you and, and Geo. Like Geo started getting on Rhythm <laughs> Encounters and was like just on like almost every one for a while. <laughs> and we'll be on more coming up. Yay. So. Same. I, oh, I like awesome. where do you find the time, Audra, with all the games you play? My goodness. <laughs> well, this week I have some free time, so away from work, so that's good. Oh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, that's true. I should have I should have introduced you as our prolific reviewer. <laughs> so it's true. Yes. Aww. Well, thank you. I mean, I just we don't you know we don't publish our our traffic or our numbers, and I'm not going to actually state any numbers on the show. But you know, at, internally, I do like to talk about the or to the staff about like you know our traffic and what's doing well and all that. And you know, I just shared it today as of this recording, and like our highest traffic review in March was one of yours, your Tyrant's Ooh. Blessing review. So. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was awesome. That was it an was. awesome bit of news. It was very cool. So, well, that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about um, the many, many games that Audra reviews and <laughs> how popular they are. <laughs> talking about stats. And also maybe some music. Uh, Happy no. early April, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we already did the April Fool's episode, which turned it's out not true. Re- it turned out not to be a joke. It was just, we decided we all like Chocobo music It was too a much. great goofy topic. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It was fair. fun. It's very, very springy. It was really yeah. going to be a joke, I swear. It was like, oh, th- this is like silly. Let's just do this. And then we're like, wait, no, we like this. We like yeah. this songs. It would have been a joke if you just all picked the Final Fantasy X one? Or is it 13? That's the bad one. 
well, you know, it, it depends on what you like and what you don't like. Not Your 13. mileage might vary. Um, we could have just played the Final Fantasy II one, the original one. Jono brought that on, which is important. <laughs> like, historically, it's important because it's the original. That's where the, it started. But it was just part of the original song. Oh, yeah, so I guess like, that's true. Yeah. It's a seven second little thing. So we thought about just looping those seven seconds for an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, but you, there's that one that you talked about. You put it in, I don't know if it was a bonus track or whatever, but you remember you saying how bad it was. But anyways, people can listen to the episode, whatever. Well, there's no, there's not a bad one in that episode. Uh, personally, I'm not a fan of the one from 10-2. Uh, that's the one. I that's think, what it was. There we go. Thank I you. think they got a chocobo to like trample on some bagpipes and some <laughs> musicians. And trample on some musicians? Whatever was happening. Oh, all these weird like honking, squeaking sounds. I'm like, that's not a chocobo theme. But again, your mileage may vary. Choco to oh no. So now that we've covered everything we're not talking about today, <laughs> um, what we are talking about today is composer Hitoshi Sakamoto. Woo! So this is a topic we sort of covered a long time ago on the show. Um, not technically, you know, his work in general, but uh, episode five, just five, not 105, but episode five of Rhythm Encounter was all about the music of Ivalice, which is. Not entirely Sakamoto's work. It's mm-hmm. also because um, mm. he and Iwata both worked on Final Fantasy Tactics. So that's that's where those came from or that sound came from. And uh, so, yeah, episode five was about that. So it included Tactics and Vagrant Story and Final Fantasy 12 and some other stuff. And it's a complete coincidence. But when this episode, when this episode airs, airs, whatever, publishes, um, it will be, let's see. Yeah, nine days after this episode releases, it'll have been exactly 10 years since episode five. So. Oh, wow. Interestingly close coincidence. I know. That wasn't planned at all. Especially since this was going to be episode like 105 at some point, I think. <laughs> we kept moving it back. So mm-hmm. maybe that was why it was supposed to like line up. It's meant to be. Yeah. It <laughs> was yes. meant to be that 10 year mark. That's when he's at, that's when Sakamoto's at his most powerful. <laughs> on the anniversaries. I don't know. Wait, so every 10 years, Castle Sakamoto, like, emerges? Yes. Wait, that's not the right game. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, I was thinking about Castlevania recently, all right? What, what, that would be cool. What's, uh, yeah, I guess, what's Sakamoto backwards? Otomokas. That's that's his son that has, like, shunned the family for generations. <laughs> But now it's coming back to make things right. I told you. I was thinking about Symphony of the Night, okay? Which is essentially one of his, like, early, like, pseudonyms is almost a weird version of his name backwards anyways. So. Mm-hmm. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Well, it's something like that. Yeah. Emoshi or whatever it is. Emosh. Wow. I thought one. I was just completely making that up. It's like. Oh. It's like Sakimoto Homie or something like that backwards. It's what it kind of looks like to me. I yeah. Feel like it's somewhere. I feel like his name is in that in some weird way. It's it's what. I mean, on, on VGMDB, it's Y-M-O-H. S. It's absolutely letters from his name. Mm-hmm. There you go. He's already a, a okay, so that's story. Okay, so that's his um, estranged son. His estranged half-vampire son. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow, all right, this took a turn. So this, uh, all of this you can find in his Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> it's true facts. <laughs> but now we've already established he worked under different names, so that's good to know. Yeah. Actually, all the music and everything I was looking at, I didn't actually pick up on that. So... Thanks for pointing that out. Hey, no worries. Um, so real quickly, before we get into the episode, as usual, I like to ask, you know, basically, why are you all here? Um, 
which sounds really accusatory, but really, I just, I just want to know why this topic, like what drew you to this episode? I'm going to pick someone at random, Greg. I fell in love with his music in um, Tactics and a little bit in Ogre Battle, but I didn't know he was part of Ogre Battle back then, but I've always really enjoyed the Ogre Battle soundtrack, but um, it wasn't like Tactics is what cemented his work for me. And again, it was be many years until I actually bothered looking at composer names and discovering, oh, that was him. But like, is like it, he has a very clear voice in his music, and which you know, I made that joke ages back when this title was topic was announced. How <laughs> a lot of it sounds very similar, but um, it, it there's a lot of nuance in there. Jokes aside, and uh, yeah, I just I love the sort of world and history and story, or whatever his music kind of creates. So. I wouldn't be happy to talk about that if there's tactics and anything else he's touched involved. Right. And maybe I should let everyone else go, but I'm going to go just because I want to piggyback off of that a little bit. But I, I know what you're saying, but I, I definitely see that as a good thing because mm-hmm. I think in many cases, I mean, if you're really familiar with his work and like some of the instrumentation and styles he uses, you can some, you can pick him out. But I also think it's usually intentional. Like, like if you listen to any of the anything set in Ivalice, like you know, but at the same time, yeah, I think it's just impressive that he has created this like soundscape for this, you know, spin-off world of Final Fantasy that's appeared in all these other games. So like, you know, Ivalice itself has a sound. Like it overlaps a bit with yeah. his with his own sound, but I like that those are very recognizable. And then like Ogre Battle has this other sound to it. Mm-hmm. So. Which I was a fun rediscovery for me and this topic which we'll get into in a bit but yeah you're right like it is again that's his voice but you can still there's yeah. stuff that's separate from it too so he's he's got range yeah so uh my i'll just finish up but like my my introduction was also tactics and same as you like at the time like i didn't i didn't know composers back then because i was well i wasn't that young but compared to now i was a wee lad so yeah that's where it started was tactics and i i gradually picked up on like oh he also did this one and this one and of course one of the games today i just have this unhealthy obsession with the music for so ooh, i'm looking forward to that yeah okay hillary looks like she wants to say something i'm good well i mean i, I wanted you to answer the question <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> oh you don't want to well i was gonna joke about how ogre battle is like evilise's like perky younger go-getter cousin or something <laughs> um <laughs> But, really related but unrelated it's, it's yeah. yeah we'll get into that Music, musically speaking ogre battle has more like horns yeah yeah but anyway um, I, i'm just gonna leave that one alone um so first off i'm i'm here because i really like being on composer episodes i find it really interesting looking at the different works a single per- person has worked on and kind of talking about their signatures similarities their range, stuff like that. Um, but I've also been following his work for a really long time. I mean, I was little. Um, the Super Nintendo Ogre Battle was probably one of the first few RPGs that I watched someone play yeah. um, when I was little. And of course, I love tactics. And then I've been really interested in like his best escape stuff mm-hmm. more recently, which is a bit of a shift like from the other earlier sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we'll get into that today. Maybe we will. Mm. All right. How about you, Audra? Well, similar to everyone, my first exposure to his work was Final Fantasy Tactics. And <laughs> We're I was, all old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was 
too young to really be paying attention to composers at that time. But actually, looking back now, a lot of the games I've really enjoyed the music from, he's had a played a part in. He's even played um, composed some of my favorite Tekken Six songs. Oh, that's so, right. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That's funny. So, and they're specifically your favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just kind of when I saw that this was a topic, I wanted to be on it. Uh, we missed an opportunity to have a Tekken song as our bonus track. <laughs> I, I was going to say, if you left that up to me, I'd probably pull something from Gradius Five, just because it's hilarious <laughs> to me that he did that. And I never knew. Well, I mean, Retro just did not too long ago um, the non-RPG episode. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh-huh. we can also do RPG composers who have done other things, right? I'm almost positive we have a, a card for that. I think there is a card. I feel um, like there probably is. I really yeah. want to do that. Yeah, it's like one of these days I want to do a topic that's... Yeah, it's people who are generally known for RPGs, but we're going to just have music from other from non-RPGs. So maybe we can get some Tekken in in that one. Mm-hmm. Yes, that would be awesome. Yeah. Street Fighter 2 soundtrack better be on there then. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, so with all that being said, I'm sure nobody has picked Final Fantasy Tactics as a song, right? No. <laughs> or as a, from I, anything from it after all of our origin stories? <laughs> I absolutely was not going to pick Final Fantasy Tactics. It was the obvious choice because, of course... You know, I Hillary it's and I were, on the episode. So Hillary and I were the last ones to pick songs. And I'm like, look, Greg and Audra didn't pick tactics. I'm not going to pick it because, I mean, you always are going to want tactics and it's an obvious choice. Anyway, my first song is from Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> um, I mean, just put I, this on the T-ball tee for you. I was also not going to because we had a, a tactics song in episode 105. I mean, it was a piano arrangement. Right. Um, by yeah, Purple Shallow. It's lovely. I was going to say, you brought that one, didn't you? I No, no. That was one of Eddie's choices. Oh, um, okay. Eddie did anything that wasn't from the game. Right, right. We did Chain, Chain Deco's choices. Yeah, I forgot about that album because that album came out like just a few months ago. Um, the Piano Collections Tactics. It's very good. I'm glad he introduced me to it because I wasn't on my radar. Yeah, I got I to gotta check it out. But anyways. So, okay. Well, see, that that's fine then. Because that was, that was, you're right. That was a guest that brought it on, not a staff person. Yeah, it's Eddie's fault. Yeah. I also, I thought like, you know, it's one of those things I, I always say, like, I don't, we try to avoid the obvious picks sometimes, but at the same time, sometimes we do that for so long that we're like, oh, why has this never been on the show? So. Mm-hmm. Why do we yeah. keep getting such angry fan mail and responses in Discord? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. It's just, at the very least, I knew that because his work in like, tactics or just the evilies games in general are so important and so well known to the rpg fan base like i knew it still had to be here somewhere so i'm talking about the song ahead of time and i'm not supposed to that's against the rules i should fire myself oh sorry (laughs) i i did that to you (laughs) no that's okay i just that's a little preamble but uh it wasn't about the song specifically so i think you're okay you're right yeah you're right so all right mild spoilers y'all mild spoilers (laughs) So yeah, let's uh, let's get to some music here. So our first block, as you might have guessed from that entire conversation, our first block is going to be some Ivalice music. So my first song is the unfortunately too short but gorgeous uh, title song from Final Fantasy Tactics, which is Bland Logo Title Back. <laughs> yeah, don't let that title fool you. Yeah, um, no kidding. <laughs> one of these days, I'll look up why it's called that. <laughs> um, I'm sure someone listening knows I, I thought about it too late today, to, but uh, I don't know why it's called that, but it's beautiful and I love it. So mm-hmm. 
that's what we're starting with. And then Hillary, what is your first song? My uh, So we're doing an Ivalice frame here uh, because my song is from the end of Vagrant Story. And okay. it's Dawn and Leomond. Nice. Okay. That's eye-opening. Well, let's go listen to a bland logo and Dawn and Leomond.
All right. So first of all, anyone listening who uh, went into a rage when I said bland logo, uh, I sort of apologize. Uh, you know, it's it's funny when you are collecting soundtracks in the 90s and ripping them and relying on online track lists, what you get. Um, so over the little break, we were, I was just double checking that. And turns out there's so many versions of this track list now. So uh, apparently the original Japanese track list was written in English and did say bland logo, which of course could be translated and probably is meant to be translated as brand logo. Um, that said, there's also an alternate English track listing where it's just called, are you ready? Opening. So whether we want to call blown. it opening or brand logo. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's the opening for Final Fantasy Tactics. So I'm sorry for almost spreading misinformation or at least outdated translations, but yeah. Whatever. Good songs are good. Yeah. Well, you know, I, like I said, I, I wish I had thought to look it up before like starting to talk about it. And now I see why. So I'm going to, I'm going to retype this and say brand logo. So anyway, as for the song itself, um, I think there's probably only a handful of video game music tracks that I'd probably use the words evocative or even iconic to describe, but this is one of them. Not that there isn't a ton of great music out there, but there's, there's, there are certain songs that are just so immediately recognizable and, um, and, and maybe it depends on what you grew up with and, you know, when this came out and how, how much of an impression it left on you. You know, since this is still the only strategy RPG I have ever played to completion, uh, obviously this game left a big impression on me. So, but I can't ever hear this, like the first like couple seconds of the song and not just immediately picture that opening cutscene and thinking about the Zodiac Braves. And yeah, I mean, it's just this and Final Fantasy VII, you know, they came out a few months apart, at least here. And there's something about those opening themes, you know? Completely unrelated, different composers and everything, but... Songs I can see for 400, Alex? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. There's only a whole lot I can say. That's, that's brilliant. Um, you can talk about the song longer than the song actually plays, which is kind of funny. It is funny. So, so do go on. We already have, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it, like I said, it's not maybe not the most original choice from Tactics, but it's also like some of the sweetest like 70 seconds of RPG music out there. Mm -hmm. This is this, this isn't a game I hear remixed a whole lot, or at least I'd never stumbled across them, and I probably should because I like it. I would love to hear like an expanded version, given that like 50, 50 of those seventy seconds are sort of building to something. Like I like how it builds up, and there's like this like triumphant little ending. But it would be cool to have like, like an extended version. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, it'd be really cool to have it worked into like a a medley. Yeah. I like how I went from describing how perfect it is to, huh, I want more. But only because I like it, you know? I want more of a good thing. I think one of the things that makes this song amazing is what it accomplishes in that really short time frame. Because I can't think of very many other uh, game songs that have such a wonderful frame to, like, introduce you to the story and the game and, like, get you ready to delve in. Um, I love the way this song kind of has a mysterious sort of like tingly piano beginning but he also manages to sneak in quietly some of those really famous kind of hints of Ivelisse me some of the strong Ivelisse melodies yep yep I mean they're very short little hints like maybe three or four bars but they're there and then 
he frames it with more of that kind of tinkly piano, like, yes, this is a legendary story. And then complete silence. And then all of a sudden that really triumphant ending that's sort of like, let's go. Let's start this. Yeah, it's got it's got like every like you said, every bit like it's got the intrigue, it's got the heart, it's got that there's going to be some magic or something mystical, mythical, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, there's the clear conflict, and then yeah, there's that triumph from the synthetic stuff, and it's and I think it's also I think it's really cool about it, um, unlike a lot of title sequences and such too, is is there's no loop. It's just you get that's it. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. play itself into just doing the same thing. It's like, okay, song's done. The troops are rallied. Um, are you ready, my lord? You know, what ho? Don your armor. Here's your blade. To the field kind of thing. Like, it's just, it's done. You're ready or you're not. That's it. And if you're not ready, then you all of a sudden get a really energetic in your face yeah. song about the jobs or which, uh, yeah, which gives you a heart attack if you're not ready for it or you get the, the backstory. <laughs> I remember I had a recording of that song, but whoever, I guess, had it, it was just mastered louder than most of the other stuff I had on my computer at the time. Ooh, so anytime yeah. that song came on, it would just like punch me in the ears. <laughs> I'm going to set that as my alarm now. Uh-huh, nice. Do, 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 do. <laughs> ah, Squires. And see what I got out of all of that is I got the visual. Thanks to what you just said of thunder. God said appearing on the battlefield saying, what? ho!" <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Greg. You're welcome. His beard is majestic. Yes. It is. I mean, everything about him is majestic, really. You're not wrong. One might say godly. (laughs) One might. (laughs) Except for himself. Humble (laughs) so-and-so. I've been replaying that game, so this song comes up a lot. Oh, you have? Yeah, I've been doing the the War of the Lions version on my device, so. I've still Um, never played that version. Which, dear goodness, they really need to friggin' port that. And if rumor mills are true, hopefully we'll finally get it. Oh, Um, yes. And possibly with an even further mastered soundtrack. Because uh, it's it's fun because, like, at the time, you think, like, oh, this sounds so real. But now, like, you can hear the synthetic nature. But even then, it's it's close. Like, it's a little tricky. It's really the horns that kind of give it away. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I think it's something, you know, it's kind of like the Legend of Mana or something. Like, we're just a, mm-hmm. uh, some kind of, like, light-ish remastering, I think, would do really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Make an already fantastic soundtrack better. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of his work makes me very, very happy. Uh, for the evolving nature of like video game music production, because he has a very blendy orchestral kind of sound. So, like I think back to some of that early ogre battle music, and it's great. But like, I think I appreciate his Evilly stuff and his more recent stuff all the more because you're able to get more of that orchestral sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Uematsu too, and many other composers using well, yeah. that stuff at the time too. I think he. Uh, part of what made his stuff so great too is again working with the limitations and really yeah. pushing it as much as he could right it's it's very impressive how they all do that like i can't even begin to wrap my head around the right. genius of all that i appreciate you hillary as a storyteller because you just managed to foreshadow like at least three upcoming songs <laughs> between ogre battle and orchestra talk pretty nice well and i think also saying a lot in a single song is also very indicative of some other uh, a very close upcoming choice mm-hmm. yeah because i've got thoughts having never heard it before oh. of this next song uh yes oh okay you you are welcome to start if you'd like uh yeah i'll take that sure um yeah i've i've always wanted to play vagrant story and i haven't um and so yeah uh, because i'm sure hillary you actually have context and you'll kind of 
um, be able to clear that up for me, then I'll take my notes out of context and see how far afield it is or whatever. <laughs> I do have some um, context. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's a game I really want to play, especially since uh, Eva's um, enthusiasm for it when they played it. Uh, I really want to get into it. So this song, I mean, the fact that you said it kind of plays at the end or whatever makes more sense, but it get fake. It fakes you right the heck out. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on here? Because it's so somber just in those few opening moments. And it's like, surprise, I'm going minor to major. It's not so bad. Oh, but let's repeat it and make it sound a little sad again. But don't worry, there's horns here to warm it up again. And yep. then it starts to like, then the orchestra supports all that. And it's like aspirational and hopeful. And like, I just, I just feel like the, whatever's <laughs> going on though, like that hope and that positivity, it's just so fragile throughout the song mm-hmm. that like at any moment, it's just going to like break until you kind of get that reassuring weird synthetic choral thing coming in that's <laughs> yeah. like don't worry it's all good peace be with you or whatever <laughs> and then yeah and it's so and then all of a sudden it's like okay now I'm a new song and I'm stately and there's either confrontation or some reflection or yay things turned out or not I'm not quite sure because again like it's it's back to that tenuous piece and then finally it, it just rounds out completely different again being like oh right magic and then triumph you did it and then i'm like what what is going on it's a lot that was that was my whole journey i mean this this song really does send you on a journey and actually i think that makes that's instinctively um why it is a good representative of vagrant story because that's exactly how that game made me feel (laughs) good to know because yeah i thought it was just like a cutscene somewhere in the middle i'm like there's a lot going on yeah well it's like it's sort of a mystery and then it's fra- it's framed as a flashback story and then there's a little bit of the like who are the baddies really going on and nothing is as it initially appears uh, in that game. Meanwhile, you're also discovering like a very strange magical city that may be a source of dark power. Well, that's very that's very you too. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't say may. It it is, but we're not exactly sure what's going on with the dark power because no one's inheriting it, but maybe they are. But we've never gotten the sequel to find out. Right. And apologies if there are some slight inaccuracies there. It's been a very long time. (laughs) But all that just to say, it is a convoluted, but very interesting and very atmospheric and well-executed story. And did it suffer from similar... um any of like similar translation uh, localization issues that like tactics initially did, which was cleaned up in the war of the visions uh, war of the lions version. I don't remember it. So, like not that I know. Yeah. Of. Not that I know. You of. remember it made sense. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that it made sense. Yes. And, and <laughs> not the tactics little... did in, but you know, rough around the edges. <laughs> no, and they put, they put a significant amount of effort into kind of like dialect and making it feel mm-hmm. a little bit old timey. Okay. That's cool. So I was curious if if it ever got a remaster just how could they clean that up and maybe even make that story even more either clear or just yeah more powerful i don't know if right. even it would need it so it sounds like it doesn't i would yeah i would love for them to remaster this one it's mm-hmm. actually it is one of the ones i missed because that that era of like early playstation with square like they released so many games in fact the other only other time period i can think of where square slash square enix released quite as many games as that era was this last fall where there was a, <laughs> there was a new Square Enix release like every week or so, except um, now we're not working minimum wage jobs. <laughs> true, true. And trying to go to university. Uh huh. But yeah, I mean this this was one of the ones I missed. I played so many others at the time. You know, I, I get played you know 
both Final Fantasies and, or, you know, Seven and Tactics and Parasite Eve and Musashi and Xenogears and like all of these things. But somehow this is one of the ones I missed at the time and have never gotten back to it. So I, I just I know the music a bit, but not much about the game, but I'm sure it would be something I would like. Yeah, that's kind of my exposure to it as well. I'm sure I would love it because I, I love Matsuno's work in general, but it fits in very, very well. And y'all are missing a bunch of characters with Shakespeare names, though. Ooh. <laughs> it has both Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. See, that I knew. Oh, actually. that's right. Yeah. Do you, f- you fight them, don't you? Is that a thing? I think. I can't remember. I think you might fight both of them at some point. Okay, spoilers. This game is only 20-something years old. Right. I want to give this game to someone who doesn't know him. Just be like, here, play this. <laughs> it's that story, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Play this Shakespeare game. Uh. You're going to really confuse someone. <laughs> Is this Shakespeare? The Shakespeare game. Well, no, I just mean because of the character names. No Some kid writing their high school, my daughter <laughs> writing their thing, like, and then Ashley fought against. And they're like, what the? What, what did story you? did they read? You know that Shakespeare story where Ashley fights the big demon. Look, I'm pretty sure Ashley Wright is not a character in Hamlet. <laughs> and then Beowulf saved the dragon lady. <laughs> And then someone jumped on top of him to get Cloud's sword. And and Sidney was there and he killed the king. Right. (laughs) Matsuna's messing up all of our perspectives of Shakespeare. Yeah. And then Sid came in, who's only sort of called Sid. There you go. And then we had to queue up to meet Titania, but we couldn't find a fighter main, so it took us a few hours. (laughs) Wow. All right. (laughs) Yeah, actually, 14 has kind of taken the mantle as far as like Shakespeare references. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Shadowbringers, for sure. Anyway. But sorry, jokes aside, uh, Audra, you were saying probably more important stuff about the song. Oh, it's just, it's a very powerful song. I love it. And I can see what you mean about it having almost like a tentative feel to it at times. Like you don't know if whatever's going on is going to last or. Yeah. I mean, you get these really strong glimpses. Like I almost picture kind of like a, a really warm dawn. Like it's almost too hot already, but then the song kind of scales back and it's all tentative again. So like the. The bright parts are very bright. Yeah. It, it's yeah. a very, you know, when you think of something like an emotional roller coaster, usually it's, you know, really, really high highs and low lows. That I feel like the way you guys are describing it is like, it's sort of like that, but not as extreme. Like it just, it goes, it goes up a little bit and down a little bit. Like it's a, it's a softer roller coaster because you're like, huh, I can't figure out what, <laughs> what the tone is here. Like, should I be hopeful should I be concerned? You should be all these things at once. Okay. <laughs> well, dawn is beginning. And- yeah. Yeah. And I can see why Matsuna, I guess, kind of like took on working with Sakimoto continuously too, because he does capture that that energy so well. And Matsuno is well, and no stranger to yeah. Uh, yeah, ambiguous endings and such of like, uh, he doesn't like the happy ending, so to speak, of like, yeah, you may have fixed this problem, but humanity still exists, right? So <laughs> they're <laughs> yeah. bound to mess up again later. Right. And or, yeah, Sakimoto really hits that nicely and with all of his motifs and such. And that, honestly, I think this is yeah. a testament to his work because if this was not handled well musically, I don't think I'd be able to listen to it. It would just be too much of, of, of a contrast, but somehow it all works mm-hmm. for me at least. Might not be true of everybody, but... Yes, it only works for you. 
We we don't actually like it. It's just you. I knew it. <laughs> You've made me hate Sakimoto. I'm out. <laughs> wow, I'd be impressed if that were true. Greg, there's six more songs come back. <laughs> What two less now that I'm not here? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh well. You have the next track. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is suitably titled given my behavior right now. <laughs> yeah. So which one shall we? Why are you revolting, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Perfect timing. Let's go. Yep. All right. So we did our Evelys block. So I figured the next thing should be an ogre battle block. Yay! Q Queen. Yes. I don't think we can play Queen on here though. I think Adam Lambert will get mad at us. So. Uh, we're not going to do that, but what is our next song, Greg? Uh, Revolt uh, from Ogre Battle 64, Person of Lordly Caliber, as opposed to the original version, which I'll talk about. But yeah, got to get some Ogre Battle in here. Of course. And speaking of Ogre Battle, what's our song after that, Audra? Oh, it is Limitation from Tactics Ogre, Let Us Clean Together. All right. Well, let's go take a listen to Revolt and Limitation.
So yeah, Revolt is um, pretty much the first battle map uh, theme that you hear in Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen, uh, which was the SNES, and then also ported to the uh, was it Sega Saturn, yeah, and the um, the PlayStation One. Uh, and uh, yeah, so basically the first battle song anyone in North America would have heard on the uh, Ogre Battle series, mm-hmm. but uh, on the uh, Castle Warren. Because I don't think anything came before it, right? No, I think it is Castle Lauren. Yeah. So yeah, you and it's it's pretty much like this one of the stable themes. It comes back the most often. But I wanted to go with the version on the N sixty four Ogre Battle sixty four person of Lordly Caliber because it just the N sixty four just let it have a much richer, more dynamic sound. Mm-hmm. So the song, which already has so much pomp to it, just just has that much more instrumentation that brings it much more to life, makes it much more robust a piece of music. Um, and like, it just sets the tone for that whole game so easily, uh, with everything in Ogre Battle. It's very much that like militaristic political vibe. Uh, and, um, it was interesting as I was listening to this and trying to put my notes into words, I was really discovering the key difference between, uh, I mean, you know, Hillier was saying that Ogre Battle is kind of like the plucky younger brother, so to speak, but they are. Uh, to tactics, but they are very different games. And even like Tactics Ogre, even though Ogre's in the in the name, Tactics Ogre is more akin to Final Fantasy Tactics than it is Ogre Battle, March of the Black Queen, and Ogre Battle 64. They are so tonally different because the gameplay is so impersonal in Ogre Battle. Mm-hmm. Like you're a military leader overseeing your troops. So like having these grand sweeping militaristic marches makes sense. Whereas, like, when you listen to, like, the tactic songs, um, like What We Will with uh, Audra's piece, the the stakes are a lot higher in those battles on those maps because you're dealing with, like, on the macro, like, with the individual units and the people. Like, you see the faces, so to speak, a bit more than you right, would in, personal. like... it's yeah. personal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, we even see their noses. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know that's not true. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe if you're on the map, but yeah, it's, so I thought that was really interesting in how well Sakimoto and everybody else that worked on those soundtracks did a great job of really defining the vibes between the, the direction that the, the battle takes you in each of those games. And even though, again, they share a world and, uh, and some stuff like that beyond that, like they're still very much their own distinct gameplays and the music really lends to that. Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to generalize uh, after our Evil East block and say one of the things I really like about Sakamoto's work is in terms of video game composer- composers, he really strikes me as kind of impressionistic, able to, you know, paint um, evocative emotional impressions of things mm-hmm. and ambiguity. And he uses very kind of intricate instrumentation, kind of blends of sound, stuff like that. And Ogre Battle, I think, is a series where he does this the least. I mean, there's still some very interesting stuff going on, but it's a little bit more clear, a little bit more, like you said, it has pomp. On the noses they don't have? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I don't know, I love this song. I remember it very well from March of the Black Queen. I think nothing nothing says get ready for an SRPG battle uh, to me than, than the opening sting of this song. <laughs> yeah, and it's a nice callback to um, to what put this game on the map. <laughs> Yeah, it's where the series, I guess, on the map in a sense. Even though the game, this game particularly, was mixed, very mixed reception. Yeah, I think I don't know if it was true or not because it's it's like pre or early internet. But I feel like I heard from my friend who had this game that this uh, that um, 
there was a recall out for it or whatever because it was so poorly received because people didn't really know how to make heads or tail of it because it was so dramatic, but it looked so cartoony. Really? So it just really like tanked in a weird way, unfortunately. But I haven't never, I was just thinking of it now, I haven't never really gone back to corroborate whether that was just urban myth or whatever, you know, like healing, like bringing um, Aerith back to life kind of thing, you know? Right, right. This must have been when we all were still just getting used to anime and the idea that something could be very serious or disturbing or... And still kind of cute. And and cartoony, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I hadn't heard that myself. So, I mean... If that's true, yeah. It could be true. It would be weird if it was really received that poorly, given that I know people look back on it fondly. And it's also one of the rare N64 games that, like, kept getting ported. Like, it was on... I think it was on the Wii and the Wii U... Or was it at least, it yeah, was at least it was on one on of the Wii's eShop. Yeah. So, like, that was pretty surprising to see that. I mean, we got Spanky's quest, so clearly anything goes. Wow. Well, that's, with porting these days. That's not really <laughs> that's not really selling this game, though. <laughs> I'm kidding. Now, 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 we got yeah, Spanky's quest and not this on Switch. <laughs> right? <laughs> Only a matter of time, though. Hopefully, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yep. But, yeah, it's... it's um, I just love how this version of it really lets you hear like the bells come out clearer and like the all the percussion is just a bit cleaner, just not as crunchy as it was on the SNES. And it's still a really lovely song, like you said, Hillary. Like it really does what it's supposed to do really well in the SNES. But uh, yeah, this version just has so much more going on in it. It really it sets a mood. I think it's a really good one for the battle theme. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's just the thing, too, um, like you were saying, Hillary, like how these are much more of a kind of like a general military mm-hmm. feel. Uh, I think that does a good job, too, especially in, um, I mean, again, I, I have more familiarity with um, the, yeah, thank you, Ponzi, for your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I have more familiarity with the SNES one, of course, but like it, it does... Because it's like this isn't the battle music, right? Because then when the units meet, then there's actual battle music, so the yep. contrast is even higher, and that's where the stakes are higher is in that music itself. Obviously, like the tension in there, which was really dramatic in the SNES one, and I can't remember. It's been so long since I've listened to the '64 count soundtrack. I can't remember if it's as equally intense or not, but um, I think that's important too. Is like when the battle does matter. The way battles work in this game, it, it's they're over fast. They are, yeah. And sometimes you have to do them repeatedly because, like. You have to, it's sort of proportional, actually, rather than just, like, totally destroying the enemy units. Mm. So it's it's interesting. And in in March of the Black Queen. Yeah. And it's similar in um, 64 did the same thing, except they just changed it. Like, you could, like, actually face your units. So the, the way you attack them also Ooh. really messed with the arrangement. So, like, whereas in, on the SNES, you had a front row and a back row, and that was it. They always met face-to-face yep. as if they're, like, in, like, the American revolution. But, um, if it's, um, in 64, if you attack from the side and you sub, you had weaker units on the outside, like then they could actually get at like your party wizard or whatever from that angle a lot easier. So it kind of mattered how you approached your enemies, which was really a nice way to kind of add dynamics to the system, which I'm sure they've all talked about on, uh, the retro encounter episode where they played, uh, ogre battle 64 early in the year. Yeah. So, yeah, just picture, I mean, it's so easy for me to picture with this song, just units traversing the map, marching along, day, night goes by. Some of them are finding towns. Some of them are drawing awful tarot cards that make it mad at them. <laughs> yeah, liberation. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it has <laughs> exactly. like a preparation feel. Yeah. Well, I like the way you guys were describing earlier, too, like 
comparing and contrasting about like what you said, Hillary, about it's more, well, you didn't say upbeat. It just, it, it has a, like a lighter tone than like what you might expect from some like strategy RPG games. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it, like it has that like, you know, army marching kind of feel to it, but not, not as grim (laughs) as some of them might be like, like sometimes, sometimes they're like really serious. Um, And this one's like, it sort of has this like victorious or like sort of an upbeat sort of feel to it. Like it's it's optimistic. We're marching into battle, but you know we're we're feeling all right about it. We're we're, we're taking the theoretical long long term view of battle here, not really getting into the <laughs> awful grim aspects of it. Yes, well, it's true. Well, and that's again that's the difference, right? Like we're tactics. Like you see the faces of the people you're sending into battle, so it's much more personal in those battles. Like every unit counts, kind of thing in this. Whereas you don't see them. You're just kind of sending them out there and such. And so it's like having that marching band bringing morale to the troops and you don't really see, because the thing is where the games do then kind of cross over is the intrigue and the political drama that mm-hmm. plays out in the back rooms and such in the state rooms and between the characters in the story parts, which um, only got more intense. It was very light in March of the Black Queen, but it definitely stepped it up in person to lordly, lordly caliber. The scenes were much more involved. There were hints of it at first, like certain you could get certain units to join yeah. you, but you had to figure out how to do things a certain way to get them to agree. And like, yeah, and it really fleshes out the story in a nice way. But again, like it was all just a face on the map. Like you didn't actually have scenes play out like you do in tactics. And then of course, and then they brought that in person of lordly caliber, where you see people behind closed doors at the the command meetings and all that sort of stuff. So it's, that's where like some of the gravitas comes in, which he plays around a little more in the, in the soundtrack for person of lordly caliber, which wasn't there in ogre battle. It was uh March of the black queen. It's such a, such a small soundtrack, that soundtrack. You mean 64 or March of the black queen, uh, March of the black queen. Yep. By comparison to person yeah, of lordly yeah. caliber, 64 bits of cart, 64 bits of drama. <laughs> <laughs> well, before this becomes a, a full ogre battle, 64, podcast we also have a tactics ogre song to talk about well this song's a battle theme and it's that plays at times and it's just i love the instrumentation for it i feel like it really has an intense build-up that just captures the feel of desperation of people fighting probably the units face to face and just yeah you can kind of tell it's like battles to the death and but like it's the just, stakes are high, yeah. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very intense song, and I just love it. So in my notes, all running through them, it's sort of like, huh, there are lots of descending packages. It almost kind of sounds like the inverse to the last one is what I said, just because the person's sort of like, okay, we're it's kind of exploratory almost, and this one is definitely more. It has descending passages. It really feels like it's a particularly, it's a particularly difficult map, or you have a lot of constraints, or. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a difficult wind condition. Like it just sounds very there's limit, tense. There's limitations there lim- to it. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Just like yeah. the name says. Well, that's what's neat about like Final Fantasy Tactics, and I guess this as well. Because again, I feel like these two soundtracks have a lot more in common than Ogre Battle and Tactics Ogre would have. Mm-hmm. And just like this is some of those songs, like you're just wandering around the map, and like you're just like, oh, Mandalia Plains, four chocobos and a goblin. Really not a problem, but like it's still like really intense music. <laughs> yeah. And it's really easy for those pa- those battles to go south if you're not careful anyways. Oh, and I did, actually, this is the PSP version, mm, sound, right. orchestral soundtrack, so I kind of just, that's the version I played, so 
I went with it. Good to know. Yeah, I imagine the the reimagined version got a bit of a. Oh yeah, I think they probably update. Yep. Yeah, I've listened. I haven't listened to a lot of it yet. I've heard, I've heard some of it, and I like what I've heard so far. I'm saving it for when I actually play it, so try not to spoil myself. That makes sense. Because goodness, do I want to? Because like you said, Mike, I, there's so many good games, and this was one I missed on the PS1. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was like I was weirdly dismissive of it, and then like after I finally played Tactics, I was like, why didn't I get that game too? <laughs> <laughs> I think many of us are saying that about that period, but you know, yeah. budgets. I mean, for me, like Final Fantasy Tactics was like some of the most, that was like the most amount of time I ever put, I think, into a single game. Easy to do. Um, now, mm-hmm. I had also maxed out the clock in Final Fantasy VII at least twice by that point. So I don't really know. It, it maxes out at 99.59, by the way. Um, oh. I don't actually know how many hours I spent on multiple playthroughs of seven, um, but I was very surprised and impressed when Final Fantasy Tactics kept going after 100. So I think my I think I finished at like 125 hours or something. So I was like, boy, is this how long these games are? Maybe that's why I didn't play any others because it was it was quite a commitment. Yeah, SRPG tactic tactics SRPGs can be very lengthy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean this one. Also, I have not played. Uh, so remember what I said about the last one where it was like sort of optimistic, not exactly upbeat. Um, I feel like this song, the Tactus Ogre one, is the battle song that instills a sense of like in, impending victory or at least yeah. an optimistic mm-hmm. outcome by way of musical inspiration. That sounds really dramatic. That's I, I'm just <laughs> reading my notes word for word, but I'm like, wow, <laughs> it sounds more dramatic when you say it out loud. Um but I really like the, especially the energetic, like kind of brassy instruments. They kind of, they yes. really come in just around the three mm-hmm. minute mark. I mean, they kind of stay with the song at that point. But yeah. when, they, when they come in at that point, I'm like, oh, this is, this is fun. It's like the cavalry's here. I love the, like, it's sort of, I feel like that's the point in the song where it's like, wait a minute, there's a way to win. Yeah. Yes. But it does have like a nice ebb and flow, um, like especially when there's when they cut out and the strings come in. There's like it's not so much like you're going to lose or whatever, but there's just moments where there's like a break and a rest and like mm-hmm. let's reevaluate here. Like let's not just keep pushing, pushing, pushing because we could get in over our heads if we're not careful. Yep. So it's like, yeah, and then yeah, and then it just kind of builds back up to like, okay, we got this and let's go. I feel like this is the song that would play like, you know, your your army is there and like on on like the dawn of the third day, they everyone looks to the mm-hmm. east. Up on the hill, and there, <laughs> silhouetted against the sun, is Shrek and Donkey. <laughs> Come to save the day. Unit, yes. unit Shrek and Unit Donkey. Unit Shrek and Unit Donkey, yes. <laughs> well, now, it's like, um, I have no idea if any any of the ogre slash Shrek comments that we said earlier <laughs> off air are actually going to be on the episode by the time that comes up. Uh, we're all going to so, name our ogre battle units Donkey now. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know if that's going to pay off for anyone except us. Anyone listening is probably just confused, but sorry, what were you saying? Ogres. Ogres. <laughs> yes. Which we can all appreciate. Uh, I don't know if in any ogre battle games I've ever actually had an actual ogre in them. They just talk about the ogre battle. Yeah. I keep remembering my like octopus kraken unit that for some reason was totally happy going around on land. They do it slowly, but yeah. gosh, they can be they can be really good little uh, murder um, arthropods. Murder kragens. Okay, so oh, yeah. wait, you can you can have octopus kraken like units, but there's no ogres. Yeah, right. You have monster units. I had griffins when I was protected. There's got to be ogres. An ogre we're somewhere. not one of them. There has no. to be yeah. an ogre somewhere. 
Yeah, not in the, it wasn't even like a hidden unit or anything. Like you keep expecting to come across them. They just get tucked <laughs> up in lore. Uh, oh, here it comes, here it comes. Oh, we're going to meet the ogre. Nope. <laughs> just kidding. There's not even like a, an enemy whose title is the ogre, you know, kind of thing. Who's like Janus the ogre. Janus. Oh, Blockman, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever, who is like some terrible tyrant. Like it's mm-hmm. whatever. It's um, yeah, it was always really interesting. And then, of course, all the queen references. Like the song Ogre Battle and stuff like that. Right. But uh, yeah, really both very cool songs and very different vibes. Like, you know, yeah, again, uh, Limitation does just get much more specific as so much of the tactics kind of music does, um, which I, I actually draw also a weird comparison to um, the music from Octopath, where even like the basic whatever battles just all sounded so intense and like boss music like every song could be a boss track and that oh, yeah. with out of context <laughs> so it, it kind of sounds similar in like a lot of tactics like just there's a lot on the line in these games mm-hmm. which it's kind of true depending on also how you play it so okay i i'm just saying this out loud since you talked about it but octopath the way you describe octopath battle music that's also how i would describe the battle music in final fantasy 15 Every single regular battle in that game is so intense musically. <laughs> That's fair. I, wa- yeah. I want to do an episode about that now. Intense. I, I don't. Know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it'd be interesting. Like you know, basically a catchy way of saying like regular battle music that sounds like boss battles. This battle oh. goes to eleven. <laughs> yes. oh, this battle goes go. to eleven. Uh-huh. I like it. Uh, that being said, uh, intense music sounds like the name of your sleep episode. Yeah, uh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, very nice. Um, Wait, is that a pun? Like intense music could be the end music. Episode? There you go. Yeah. Look, Greg's a dad. Okay, it's gonna happen. That I'm impressed with that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. All right. So now that we've played four songs that people, well, it, we at least represented four games that people probably expected to be here. Uh, let's go talk about. Four Four that maybe are less expected. Uh, I'm actually really ex- excited about the second mm-hmm. half of this episode. Yes. I believe it's something else I, I foreshadowed. Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. And so did Mike. Yeah, we got some cool stuff. And I think I've got the first one, don't I? In this you do. What's did you have next? a fancy name for this block in your head canon? No, no? I, I didn't actually. If you have an idea, I'm not sure how these two go together to make a, a single I mean, block. they're probably like our softest hits. Like they're very... yeah. They're the most chill of the entire block, which is probably why you paired them together. Um, and also, it's my, my this, so yeah, it's my second song. Uh, and both my songs actually were um, new to the podcast. I don't think we've had any Ogre Battle 64 or this one from Crimson Shroud, um, which I chose a world where magic never was from this little DS, 3DS? DS. 3DS gem. I believe it's 3DS. Yeah, yeah it's not. Just took me a second to remember. It's been so long since the launch, and it was one like those weird early little kind of experimental launch-ish. It was right. In the first like year or so-ish. It, it's not a game people talk about a lot. Actually, I don't think it's a game people talked about a whole lot back then either, so. We did some retro episodes on it. Mm. Which, yeah, that I was distinctly remember being spoken about back on Random Encounter by um, Rob. Yeah. And so it always sticks out in my mind, which is partly why I went back to play it. So, wait, yeah, many, a few years back. So, yeah, yes. anyways, great music on that. Yeah. All right. Um, after that, I... <laughs> I am returning to Breath of Fire again. Um, yeah. I actually found out something a little bit funny about uh, Breath of Fire and how it relates to Rhythm Encounter, but I'll, I'll save that for after. But 
um, we are going to be listening to the middle layer area from Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. What an evocative title. Oh, yeah. I mean, I almost brought Calling from a Distance, which is even more so, but I did not. Um, yeah, let's, so let's go listen to A World Where Magic Never Was and the Middle Layer Area. Find out! <laughs> <laughs>
So good songs. Yeah. I, um, I remember I was exploring songs for this episode and I kind of forgotten that he had worked in Odin sphere. And so I went down a really deep Odin sphere, uh, hole for a while. Cause there's a lot of great music in that, mm-hmm. uh, game, but I ultimately kept exploring further and I forgot that he had done crimson shroud. And I was like, well, I've actually played that one. So then I started leaning heavily on that. And I was really torn between one of the battle songs and this one, but ultimately I had a feeling there'd probably be a lot more energetic uh, tunes coming on. And my other one was like, you know, a more martial piece with from Ogre Battle. So I was like, yeah, I want this lovely, reflective sense of wonder piece uh, that is um, a world where magic never was. It's um, okay. Well, before we like go into how much more lovely it is, can we talk about how thirsty the album art is? Yeah, it is quite thirsty. It's it pretty much is. That's fair. Uh, not that that's going to be you know in this episode post, but yeah, if you look it up, it sure is. Check the show notes. We'll link to the album cover so you can see for yourself. It's kind of equal opportunity, but like it's just very like this is not the dynamic they had in the game. So what is going on in this <laughs> yeah. ar- album art? I don't understand. Why is everybody in their underwear? I don't get mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's, it, I had never seen it before until I brought it up. And I was just like, what the heck's going on here? Anyways. But yeah, it's, it's very, it's funny. Cause like Crimson Shroud, a lot of the music is very Ivalisian. Uh, but it, I don't think it's actually set in the world of Ivalice. Uh, but the song just, it's got a lot of heart. I don't remember exactly where it plays anymore. It's been so long. And like the story's kind of like these little vignettes and stuff in Crimson Shroud. So it's... Also, it's kind of like Odin's Fear. I guess so, Each yeah. character has a, it, their sections and their stories kind of intersect. Because they're like um, like three little treasure hunters or whatever. But everything, like they're in the actual gameplay, like they're little like game pieces. So it's in like you roll dice. So it kind of feels like you're playing sort of like a tabletop-ish kind of thing, but not quite. Um but like they're just kind of still through all of like their cutscenes. But then I think when they went back, I can't remember if they had artwork or not. It's been a while since I've played it. Um, I need to revisit it with the uh, the recent Crimson Shroud episode that was on Retro. But um, yeah, this song is just, it's very sweet. It's very lovely. It's um, it's like a rare rare moment of despite because like this whole game takes place inside of like this dungeon, so it's always dark and dank and awful in its way. So. Uh, it's just, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it focuses on like the, the main girl, I'm blanking on her name, but like, I know she had a, a very troubled past. So if it's something reflective of her or not, but it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm eager to hear what other people have to say. Cause I just, I don't have much to really say except for it's just a beautiful, sweet, reflective song that just makes you feel at ease. Yeah. It's got kind of like an open easiness to it, but also a little bit of somberness or maybe melancholy. Um, yeah, that's I... the, yeah. What I said earlier about um, Sakamoto feeling a little bit impressionist as a composer, that came out, I think, the most actually in this song out of all of them, just because of the instrumentation. It's got that back and forth between the flute and strings and swelling string passages and just the way it's constructed sounds very like almost Debussy. And there's like a clarinet, I think, that like carries things too beautifully. Or something. It's not. No, I don't think it's an oboe, but it's something like that. Yeah. And once again, you have a lot of melding and kind of mixing of the different instruments, doing things at the same time to create kind of like a, a mood or kind of like a soundscape. It's just really pretty. Yeah, Sakimoto doesn't. It's very rare that he uses silence to like um, uh, highlight something. Unless it's at the beginning of Tactics. <laughs> <laughs> Drama. It's very pretty and wistful. Yep. In a way. Mm. 
Good word. And actually magical, which is ironic because the titles. <laughs> yep. Well, that's why I'm struggling to remember because I feel like it's less about there's no magic because if I think, if I recall correctly, the female is your magic user. So like magic exists. Yeah. I think it's more, that's why I was thinking it has to do with her story and the tragedy of her past because she didn't get to grow up in a world of like magic as a child, so to speak. Like her innocence was stolen from her in some regard, one way or the other. I forget how deep it goes, but I think that's partly where like the wistfulness and stuff comes from. I got, there's something, again, I could be way off base. It's been a while since I played and I might be just making something up, but I, if that's, coming to my mind i know there was a people that were they were um prejudice against that could use magic i think mm, okay and i think she was a member of that group so yeah hmm. i think that fits kind of well for her actually it's been a while since i played it too so. <laughs> yeah because i remember they did spread it around the three of them but i feel like she was kind of almost like the main protagonist in a weird way like i feel like she got the most um, time, mm -hmm. or at least her story made the most impact, maybe. Yeah, I think she's the one, well, she was the one telling the story mm. to the guy, and then there's a big plot reveal and twist. Right. And, yeah. and I think one thing I want to bring up while we're on this song specifically is just kind of like a, a transition in Sakamoto's career that's very notable. So he started kind of early becoming a freelancer, and one of the impressive things about his music career is just the high profile kind of gigs that he got as a freelancer, including I think twelve. He wasn't actually in House of Square when he mm. became Fantasy oh, Twelve. Okay. I didn't realize that. Um, although this is very twelve ish sounding actually, now that you mention that. And the company he started with was um Best Escape, which contributed to the Crimson Shroud, Odin Sphere, and my last pick as well. I'm foreshadowing again, so it's just <laughs> really neat to see this transition with him and just to kind of think about how collaborative he is just with his early stuff with tactics. Like it, it's just, I don't know. I think it's something that kind of distinguishes him as a composer is just all the teamwork. Mm -hmm. um, if I guess this is the founding date. Boy, I, I don't know what we would do on this show if we didn't have VGMDB as a reference uh, because they even have company pages. 2002. It says Base Escape started in 2002. Yep. So yeah, that was four years before 12. And then Jump Cut 10 years later, he gets... Um, episode Arden, Crimson right Shroud. But again, he's still working as a team on that one. I wasn't even like all, I mean, he was the sound director, but like he wasn't the sole composer. He still worked with like Iwata and mm -hmm. Abe and mm -hmm. yeah, five composers and Kaneda and such. Like it was just like such a great, uh, yeah. I'm now struggling to think of how uh, many of the games, if he did or not have sole control over, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, at least as far as this episode goes, uh, only a handful. Uh, Vagrant Story was was all his work. Oh, was it nice? And your next pick as well, right? Oh, uh, oh, don't put me on the spot like that. I, <laughs> I didn't have that page up yet. I didn't even talk about this song yet. Um, I mostly what I wanted to talk about on this one was just the fact that this most of this album or like half of this album was actually performed by an orchestra. Yes, which Thank you. which is very cool and definitely sets it apart from most of our other other things today. And I wanted to mention that because it contributes to that sort of like impressionist feel yeah it's like something in like the use of the flute and stuff and having a real flute just adds like synthetic does okay when it comes to woodwinds and such but when you get a real flute with the real breath kind of affecting things it really adds like especially with with like instruments that require the breath like it does kind of get up to human limitations in an interesting way that really brings a lot of life to 
right the sound yeah i mean that was yeah that's what i was gonna say like you know i don't have any problem with like synthesized stuff or electronic music um at all uh but there's the the delicate sound of some of the strings and the wind instruments in this like i think you would need that you need that actual live human human component and i think that's why this is so effective so yeah it's um i think it's like 13 or so 13 or so like 29 tracks so almost half was orchestra yeah i didn't know that that's cool yeah but i just remember yeah it's that transition period too over those few years from like some games were using it some games weren't like i was convinced even back in the day that like legend of mana was all like live orchestra and now i'm like no obviously it wasn't idiot <laughs> you know but you're just so convinced when you're a kid it's just what you know and you hear and such yeah now so does this top from being a great soundtrack it's true okay well you were right you must have looked it up then i, I wasn't quite sure once i had to think about it if if sakamoto was Solely responsible for Dragon Quarter, but he was outside of the the vocal song at the end. But yeah, um, so Breath of Fire Five is a very strange game, uh, especially the fact that it's you know a numbered game in the series, even though it was completely different from every other game. And it definitely, um, well, it definitely had a reception. That's for sure. That's what I've heard. Yeah, and yeah. I, I want to play it for. I guess not the train wreck effect, but just I've heard enough people too, like you, say it's not that bad, guys. You know, it's one of those things. You know, I've been thinking about it a lot recently. Whenever it comes up, or whenever I can shoehorn it into the show, because and we just had a 30th anniversary, right? So yeah, it's even more topical now. Yeah, I mean, like this is the fourth time Dragon Quarter has been a rhythm encounter, and it's also the fourth time that I brought it on. So uh, <laughs> I, it, I don't know why it's only me. Like I'm sure there's other people that played it and listened to it. I didn't even play it. I just I just have the soundtrack and think it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, Having not played it, I, I understand the idea is completely unlike the other games. Like, the setting is weird. The artwork is weird, but I like the artwork. Um, and also the fact that it's, you know, sort of sort of a roguelike, which, I don't know. Uh, I'm just very curious about the game. Like, the more I think about it and the more the years go by where I haven't played it, because I wonder if it maybe would have been received better if it was more of a spinoff and not like well this is the fifth game because it's obviously not like the others at all so i i think it was you know like my brother loves it like my brother adores this game so that that helped too because like in our house (laughs) this game had a positive reception so yeah i was gonna say how much does that influence your where you come at it with your history of it i guess um, I mean, not a lot. It's just because, again, I, I haven't played it myself. I just I, I've heard it's good and I've heard it's the worst thing that ever happened to Breath of Fire. But obviously people <laughs> who say that forgot about Breath of Fire 6. Is that the, the browser based one? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of things like why was that considered a numbered sequel? Um, not to mention it had nothing to do with Breath of Fire, except like there might have been a dragon in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's It's one of those things where. I sort of feel like it might be received better today. I mean, unless it just doesn't do the roguelike or whatever it's trying to do right. But like, those are huge right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that that style of game. So I would think maybe if for some reason Capcom wanted to like remaster it, I think it might find a weird audience or in, in a weird audience. Um, it might weirdly find an audience now. I, I would believe it. Both statements are true. And I, think, and I I think the soundtrack would help with that because it is a really nice polished work. Yeah. 
and I actually just noticed, uh, Yasunori Mitsuda was the sound director. What? Well, holy shit. Oh, sorry. Um, well, holy war. I didn't actually know that. Uh, yeah. So, the, yeah, the the idea is, I'm, again, I'm saying this as someone who hasn't played it, but, you know, the idea is, like, this game takes place underground. You know, your, your characters and everyone, like, live underground and, like, no one... The, the idea is they want to be able to get to the surface and see the sky or something like that. But, like, it's one of those like things... Like, on. It's one of those things like, well, no one no one can do it. No one can get there because it's too dangerous or whatever. So like everyone just is forced to live underground. So it's like this just this struggle. And uh I'm intrigued. Yeah. I mean just the, the idea of the setting always was interesting to me and the the moodiness of so many of the songs on here and um like in this one in particular, like there's these low you know, I guess they're the piano or they're I'm gonna call them piano like. Um but they're, they're really low, like the like bassy piano like tones. Like, does it start right at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. That do it's like it's yeah. It's either like a synthetic harp mm-hmm. or like a yeah. or yeah. a piano. Yeah. But I also like the there's like a I think it's a little choral thing with like a little bit of dissonance that just really makes it eerie and unsettling too. Mm-hmm. Right. What? 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 I'm getting. Uh, I'm being given a look here. An excited look. What? Uh, it's almost like this song reminds me uh, of another song from another game that takes place underground. Shrek? One of the Shrek Spelunky. games? <laughs> Shrek cart battle or whatever? No, it's Undertale. This sounds so much like Waterfall and Undertale to me, and I thought that was a cool kind of continuity. Okay, yeah. ah. I could see that. Yeah. No, and but it's like, that particular part that do do do. Uh-huh. Well, I like that too, because like that that's very pronounced in the beginning, and it's still there. Like it carries through the whole song, but then mm-hmm. there's other instruments that come in. It and builds, yeah. It builds and they overlay, but you can still hear that in the background the whole time. So it's like, it's not exactly tense, but it's not exactly not. Um, it just, it really adds this area of like, you know, mystery and, you know. I really feel like there's a mysterious quality to this piece that I feel like it builds on. Uh-huh. Yeah, something's something's going on. And like, because yeah, it, it does have like that, that run with the pianos or harps or whatever that they gets just in the right key to really add like that kind of tension not like an immediate threat, but just, yeah, you don't know what's going on. Something's around the corner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, and it kind of carries that until like 140-ish. And then there is a bit more of a change where it seems to soften. Um, and doesn't quite become a different song. But yeah, there's a definite like bridge or whatever that um, like it seems like there's still a menace. But like it just it kind of gets a bit more hopeful for a little bit there as it lightens up and has a bit of reprieve before it resets and you get those harps or whatever things coming in again. Right. Like my, my thing in my notes was kind of like it, it, it's a good song for making you think of this like mysterious place. that's just really begging to be explored, but explored very carefully (laughs) at your own peril. Yeah. I think this is a great choice just to demonstrate um, some of Sakamoto's versatility because this is, you're a long way from your ogre battles and maybe even, a bit of a trek from Ivalice with it. It's Yeah. There's a slight hint of not quite the like the motifs, but just like the tone, just again in how he I think it's in how he uses clarinet. I think clarinet's kind of like his hallmark of like the uh, the Ivalice kind of sound. You can like hear it doing that whole like and like anytime it comes in, like you can just kinda hear, is that gonna start now? I hear a clarinet. <laughs> but not here. 
No, you'd like that was that was like the the kind of like the evilese motif. But like there yeah, is some clarinet. But there is some clarinet in this one, and it's it still evokes that sound. I guess that he's creates. So I'm wondering, like, is it clarinet? That's his. Depending on the game and the exact like synthiness of it, I have a hard time picking out. Like, is there a trademark instrument for that evilese? It's a lot of like woodwinds, though. I feel like clarinets yeah, and bassoons and stuff, oboes. Yeah, I think it's horns sometimes too. Well, anyway, we should we should all go play this game and, and see how it held up. Yeah. I want to just go listen to the soundtrack. If you can get it. Oh, yeah. Um, this is this is as good a time as any to mention this. Like, I'll just do it. I'm not going to mention who I did this for. But many years ago, uh, I worked somewhere where I had to put together, like, a corporate, like, video. And I had never made a video before. It was just... I, I ended up being that person who just... I'm not saying this to brag. I promise you I'm not. But wherever I work, I I kind of like I, I like learning things. I'm like, well, I'll do this and I'll do this. And like, I'm a designer, but let me figure out this thing. And well, now I'm doing web stuff. And well, maybe I'll try this. So, of course, at some point it was like, hey, we need to do a we're going to make a video. Can you do it, Mike? And I'm like, I don't know. And, and then I did it. Um, I didn't film it. Like, I got the footage and I had just had to put it together. But like, we needed some kind of music and no one was going to... Um, license any like royalty free music back then so i'm like all right well i'm just gonna pick things out and hope for the best even though you know you shouldn't use any licensed stuff but anyway my point is the soundtrack to this corporate video that i did was basically all sakimoto music um <laughs> it, it was vagrant <laughs> you telling was me that vagrant story and dragon quarter and i think there was some final fantasy 12 in there too oh my gosh. But, uh, nice yeah so but i was also I don't know. Even back then, whatever year that was, like this was all very dear music to me. So I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And I didn't tell anyone. I'm just like, how does that sound? I'm like, oh, cool. It's all industrial sounding. I'm like, huh, yes, that is a vagrant story. <laughs> but you don't know that, so it's okay. <laughs> Which is interesting because um, you might not be able to guess this, but I think one of Sakamoto's like genres of choice is kind of like that more like electric kind of mm-hmm. industrial, okay, sound. Well, maybe he would be proud of that video then. To listen to, yeah. Maybe. I'm gonna, I'll go send you it to You highlighted it. Yeah. Weirdly enough, yeah, Breath of Fire, Dragon Quarter, uh, you can't really stream it anymore because I think it was on PS3 and stuff, but it got delisted back when. Um, but uh, it's pretty steep for a whopping like 20 Canadian on eBay. So, Yeah, that's uh, the pretty, thing. I, I, you just need a PS2. <laughs> uh-huh. I guess it wasn't. it didn't become a cult classic because it's not really expensive. I mean, we just yeah. we just found a copy of it last month for what 20 bucks mm-hmm. nice uh oh, we, wow. we bought it for a friend's birthday and uh hilariously uh gave it to him and he was really excited and he he opened the case and was like hey uh is it's like this is pretty funny but uh i just have a question is this what you meant to give me and <laughs> and the, the disc no, no, wasn't the, there. there was no disc. We didn't know. Oh. We, we bought it secondhand. We, we went back to the store and they couldn't find the discs. So we had so. to like figure out a replacement. Oh, harsh. Yeah. Um, but that's okay he was, because he, was he later was like, oh, the fact that I opened in the disc wasn't in there was like, that story is better than like any present. You could yeah. <laughs> if we had just given it to him like a, a regular old gift. Yeah. yeah. No, this was much better, apparently. Yes. That said, though, like I'm sure you're going to be listing all the sources anyway, but weirdly enough, you can buy the soundtrack on Steam. Oh, interesting. Even mm. though the game isn't on Steam. What? Yeah. Why? That's so bizarre. Because Capcom wants money, I guess. I don't know. Um, okay. No. Well, thank you for telling me that. Um, yeah, no I, worries. I might have known that, 
whenever episode this game was on last, but uh, if not, then I'll make sure to note it. So anyway, yeah, well, that's my, that's my uh, every, every couple dozen episode uh, plug for Dragon Quarter. So there you go. I'm good for a little while now. Play this game I haven't played. <laughs> <laughs> or buy the soundtrack. It's on Steam. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got two more, uh, which, again, are completely different from the rest of the episode. So, uh, Audra, what is your second song today? My second song is The Ones Who Obtain Tomorrow from Ligaya 2 Dual Saga. All right. And after that, Hillary has something. Yep. I am bringing on 13 Sentinels. Yay. Um, I picked the branched version of Brett Overflow, which is, I think, the title screen, right? Originally. I believe so. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. I can distinctly hear Alana saying Brett Overflow, and I believe that was her giving high praise to the uh, the opening back when. Right. Yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. she brought the original version on episode 71, which. Yeah. The openings one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyway, that makes sense. Yeah. That's why it's etched in my brain. Anyway, exactly. music. Let's go listen to the ones who obtain tomorrow. Although we're going to listen to it today, and Brat Overflow Branched. Okay, let's go obtain tomorrow. <laughs> I would love to obtain tomorrow, but not yet.
just it's a really fun song i kind of just love like the it almost reminds me of the jig yeah <laughs> just in terms of its instrumentation and there's like a hopeful 
determined energy to it that I just really love. And the Gaia 2 is awesome. So <laughs> you, you played it then? Yeah. So where does where does this play? I was just about to ask that. What's the, yeah, what kind of scene? Because I think it's like one of the last songs on the soundtrack for some reason. I think it's one of the last areas, actually. Huh. Interesting. That you can visit, too. So I'm. it's been a while since I've played it, so. It sounds like a very upbeat town, but it's like Sakimoto, like, surprise, Celtic. Yep. It's like, where have you been keeping that, man? <laughs> He learned it from Mitsudo when they worked together on Dragon Quarter. Ah. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, it makes me think, I'm like, yeah, um, is it Home Sweet Home or whatever? That one from Final Fantasy V? Um, oh, yeah. You know, like, do, 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 Yeah, and like, you know, half of that, um, uh, Hillary, you talked about it a, a while ago now, but recently because I was listening to back episodes of the show, um, the Celtic Link album. Oh, yep. See for me, know, I like some good Celtic. For me, I just thought of the Millennial Fair from Chrono Trigger. So yeah. I mean, I'm just picturing that this game ends with everyone at a carnival. Uh, <laughs> it does not. Okay, that would be kind of fun. It would it's like be the remastered endings uh, of Star Wars, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sorry. Like, I have I have no context. I didn't play either of the Gaia games, so that's just. But I can see that for sure. That's the energy like, yeah. that I get from it, which is really interesting. A festival it's town. It's an energetic kind of town theme. Okay. Yeah, I think. Very are, bright. Are there any Spanish robots named Cat? There are not. Okay, so no <laughs> Chrono Trigger then. It's it's really funny that you said that because actually I I wrote something in my notes about it sounding like Mitsuda. Okay. A little bit, probably because of those kind of Celtic influences. Um, That's neat. Yeah, I can see it. And and the interplay between the winds and the fiddly violin. Um, but I, along with this trend that I keep talking about with like blending instruments, this sounded a little bit more blendy with the the different parts than I would usually expect from Mitsuda. So that kind of distinguishes it a little bit. I don't know, but I liked it a lot. I'm always up well, for Celtic music. Well, if it helps any, yeah. Mitsuda did compose nine of the songs on this game. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, so that there explains you go. it. Oh, is, um, is this another one where uh, Mitsuda also may have been like the director of the music aspect? Because then that could make sense. No. Too, where it was more <laughs> he was, fitting, he was but... another he just one of, just a composer. One of the three okay. composers. Yep. Yeah. Because I was going to say, maybe that was just the style and thus you did a good job of matching. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That Just having him on it could explain, you know, if you're working as a team as Sakamoto often does you do kind of have to like consider the other members of the team and how everything right. fits together and Mit- once again he's really good at that yeah apparently Mit- Mitsuda just has that power you know like they were going one direction with the soundtrack and then he just walked into the room and like suddenly everything changed everything's like, Celtic now yeah, everything's Celtic <laughs> <laughs> it's like what's this feeling it just washes over them well I know is I have to shout out to Pat Gann on this one because uh, Pat does like, uh, sorry, love the uh, Break Boost Beyond Live performance of A Settlement in the Red Bluffs. And I now want that quartet, if I recall correctly, to redo the song. So I think it would have mm. so much fun energy to it. Uh-huh. Ooh, a quartet version of this would be interesting. Wow, these are some dramatic song titles. Decadence and Corruption. All right. Scream, scream of the Earth. All right, but what about making money? Question mark because that feels like my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Are you making money? <laughs> Maybe. I, I'm entertained that making money? Question mark is followed with funding the worthless war. <laughs> That's amazing. The slogan for America. 
Oh dear. Ooh, that that tells a story right there. I, you know what? <laughs> I I semi jokingly made an idea card for us at one point of like doing an episode. Yes, of ridiculous song titles. Songs with just weird titles. Please, I want to oh, do yes. that episode. Like, Except you've already used bland logo. but there's there's good ones here like some of the atelier games have ridiculous titles which i love we all know who who the undisputed champion save it for the episode yeah of the weird song titles is though yeah and i talk about this a lot yeah go for it it's without a doubt sakuraba oh yeah sakuraba sakuraba's titles are wild man now i get to go do a deep dive on vgmdb oh yeah look up some well anything really there are some good Star ones Ocean. in Star Ocean. Oh, um, oh <laughs> Eternal Sonata has some excellent ones. Okay. Actually, Idiot. most of my picks for that episode were probably from Eternal Sonata. <laughs> <laughs> Although you're going to be talking about Eternal Sonata on a different upcoming <gasps> yeah. Rhythm Encounter, Yay. aren't you? I'm really yes. excited about that. Uh, actually, yeah, that's coming up soon enough that I'm going to talk about that at the end here today. Ooh. <laughs> um, but you probably should talk about your song first. Yes. Well, I have one more question about Lagaya too, if I may. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Because I don't think... Um, we, we asked that. I mean, we were talking about how it's yeah, very Mitsuda-y and everything, and that all makes sense. Is the the rest of the soundtrack very, like, Celtic-y, or is this, like, a standout track? It's a standout track for okay. um, Sakamoto's, in particular, his um, tribute contribution to it. It's actually very different from what he normally did. There's a there's even, like, a Native American-style song at one point. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of goes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to listen to the whole soundtrack. It's good. That's another soundtrack I might have to like pick up and listen to start to finish. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking, I guess, of more very different sounding Sakura, uh, Sakamoto stuff. Yeah. So now let's talk about kind of the more electronic-y side of things. Because uh, at least the, the original version of this song sounds like something straight out of Ghost in the Shell. And this version oh, yeah. definitely sounds just very kind of modern, dancey, high energy, high stakes. Um and the reason I, I mean, I like that about it, but the other reason is I really like several of the remixes on the um, Branched album for 13 Sentinels. And I wanted to talk for a minute about the interesting kind of concept they had for that. So anybody know why they call it Branched? No, actually. Please tell. Okay. So a lot of the track names, and I, and I think part of the plot of 13 Sentinels involves genetics, proteins, so... A lot of the track names are oh. amino acids uh, in, oh, neat. in the OST. And so branched is actually kind of a specific form or a subset of amino acid. So it's kind of like saying it's this version of the thing. Oh, okay. That's really clever then. Yeah. <laughs> to use for a rearrangement of them. It is. It is because it's, it's a pretty small subset of them that are branched, if I'm remembering my biochemistry correctly. Hmm. Okay. And of course, that totally changes their biological function, too. So it's sort of implying that these remixes are changing things in an impactful way. That's pretty neat. That's clever. Yeah. That's very cool. And uh, yeah, very suitable to this, uh, yeah, the, the pseudoscience y yep. <laughs> sci fi nature of this whole thing. So it fits the sci fi theme perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to showcase the, the other side of his musical interest with the sort of electric sound. And I wanted something with vocals, like the kind of chanty thing they have going on in the song is great. Um, it sounds kind of a little bit driving and desperate, and I think more so in the branched remix. It really kind of drives that home. But I, I'm also very curious how you all 
like this version if you play the game or like the song in general if you haven't. I haven't played the game, but I really like this version of the song. It reminds me a bit of uh, actually some of Sakamoto's work on Tekken. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, it would fall, fall into um, a match very easily for sure. Nice. I think this is one of those songs that starts off very strong and just, just never lets up. And it's interesting because, like, sometimes if I'm describing a song like that, like, sometimes that's I don't consider that a positive. <laughs> um, not in this case. Not in this case. Like, it, it, sometimes... No, I know, it, but I, I'm remembering I... Well, I mean, like sometimes it can a song can just be too noisy for for my taste anyway. Too many notes. Oh, sorry. Too many notes. Yeah, um, I'm saying this despite the fact that I praised Crazy Chocobo in the last episode. <laughs> yeah, what's with that? It doesn't quite go full cacophony. It's you know what though, Crazy Chocobo is one of those songs that it knows how stupid it is, so I I respect it. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean like this one's pretty intense, but like I, again, not not in a bad way. Um, it's intensely musically satisfying um and also just like you said like this is not a sound i normally ever associated with him like until i heard this or heard the music from this game so i think that's again like he's very adaptable and i'm impressed by that yeah he does a great job of finding the balance with so much going on in his pieces like very few people can do it so well that like you get it um and can still pick out like everything that's going on without it feeling too chaotic yeah that's really the trick with this kind of like vaguely almost kind of sci-fi sound especially with the vocals it's easy for it to get muddled yeah, well exactly like it's if the, the levels aren't right if you're not picking your timing right it can just get lost right so i guess that's kudos to the arrangement as well as the original composition here yeah that's fair too i can't remember if alana did speak to this or not back on the opening episodes if that's language was made up or not Oh, that's a good question. I cannot recall now if it was just gibberish. I feel like, because I remember I mentioned in Janique Nicole. Am I saying her name right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember bringing that up too and how she made up stuff for... Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I remember talking about that for Nier and everything. And yeah, chaos Alana was language. Like, yeah, no, it's not made up language. It's just gibberish, I think. I remember her saying now. Oh, geez. Yeah, the Nier vocal composers, like, there's a whole kind of logic to it that they've come up with over time. To chaos language. For chaos language. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a logic to this. It's not to say it's gibberish in the sense that like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, I'm, it's, it's, but he made like an instrument out of it as opposed to trying to say something, so mm-hmm. to speak. But it's definitely like a very different pace to just like standard Brad Overflow in this one. Yep. It's almost so funny too because we're kind of liking into other stuff. Like I can see this very easily playing in like a high stakes level in like Ace Combat or something because once you get those like running guitars and stuff in there really kind of changes the energy of the piece. Right. I could see it in almost like a God eater. <laughs> yeah. Cause game, you brought some actually. of that stuff on too. Yeah. It yeah. would be very fitting with that too. And now you introduced me to that too. Now without ever playing Bayonetta, I was like, this is from Bayonetta. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like guns chaotic and, uh, and like the stakes are very high. Which is interesting. Cause that's one component, one facet of the game. Right. But yeah, there are others to it as well. The so towery defense. I think that's kind of like one of the things I like about this, this branch remix is like, I think by making the original sound a little bit more mysterious, a little bit more ghost in the shell, I think that made it a better title kind of track. Mm-hmm. But I think this remix really 
emphasizes one aspect of the story, so to speak. And these do play in the game, like the branched ones, the remixes, or it's it's not like a branched, different album thing. It's a different like, album. It's a different album. It's yep. an arrangement. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. so these aren't actually in the game. No. <laughs> Correct. Gotcha. No, this was an arrangement album, 14 tracks, so came out later. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I'm really impressed by um, the guitar work. I'm just trying to look up who the guitarist is to give that shout out, but I really like... Yeah, just the kind of the standout soloing he gets to do. It's not like too in your face. Like it still complements the piece well enough without, while also letting them kind of play a bit. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we had a really diverse lineup today, mm-hmm. which is really what I love for these composer episodes. I, I like, what was the last one? Was it going to be Tonioka? I think it was Tonioka. Yeah. I really like when just seeing what everyone comes up with for these and, you know, showcasing the a range that, you know, I, I don't know of any composers that are like, oh, well, you don't, you can only do one thing um, or, or they probably wouldn't be as popular as they are. But it, even if you know that they have a range, it's always eye opening to be like, oh, wow. Like when you think about just look at this episode on its own, like compare like the first couple songs, the last couple, like it's very cool. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I learned stuff from it. So I, I assume, <laughs> I assume I'm not the only one. Yeah, it's a bit of a then and now, too, in some ways. Yeah. Shoot, I don't think it was Tanioka, because we had Duncan Rapa. Didn't we? Wasn't that after? Yeah, that's true. We've had a few composer ones recently. But but yeah, always always a diverse lineup of music, so. It's always good to call attention to that, because even though we know these are, you know, world-class composers and compositions, like, we tend to think of them for their most, well, the work they had made an impression on us or their most popular music or so it's always worth to kind of worth it to get a glimpse of the, the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of my favorite examples was actually when, when we brought the show back in, in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, we came back with an, an episode about Mitsuda and uh, oh, what was the game? Uh, Chris was on that episode. It was you, just you and me and Chris, right? Yep. Yeah. Me. It, I'm, I'm talking to Hillary. You, it's you, as if everyone knows who I'm referring to. Um, but yeah, Point like, through the ether, show us. Like Chris brought on music that Mitsuda did for Armadine, a game I had never heard of until that episode, and Revolvers Eight, uh, a game I had never heard of until that episode. So, like blending like uh, Xenogears and Final Fantasy 15 and these games we'd never heard of, and Shadow Hearts. I'm like, it's just I don't know. It's just so much fun. So. And today, too. Like, I'm glad we had such a, a range of music here. So thank you, everyone. It was a pleasure being on. Thanks for uh, putting things together. Yeah. So, uh, Greg, you mentioned this a little bit. Uh, I always do this at the end. But when we talk about games that made their Rhythm Encounter debut. Uh, oh, sorry. Spoilers. Nah, that's okay. Um, yeah. So it turns out the way it broke down in this episode, all four songs that Hillary and I brought on. <laughs> our game, our games that have been on the show before, and all four songs that Greg and Audra brought on had never been on the show before. So go team, new stuff. That's wow. excellent. Yeah. So Crimson Shroud, The Gaia Two, Ogre Battle sixty four, and Tactics Ogre. Um, all four of those. These were our, our first appearances on the well show. Well done. Wow. So you're saying we need more diverse Sakimoto stuff? Yes. Now we have and it. Iwata, I guess. Yep. Well, you know, we're gonna we'll do that episode one day about. RPG composers and their other music, so Audra can get her her Tekken music in. <laughs> mm, that too. Yep. So, although that's not what's coming next, uh, coming next on Rhythm Encounter is we're revisiting character themes. We did a character themes episode many years ago, 
but it turns out um, in RPGs, there's a lot of characters. Um, so when you're only talking what? about six to eight character themes in an episode, I mean... There's plenty of room for more. Have you even played Chrono Cross? There's like nobody in that. <laughs> yeah, but they don't all have character themes. Only a few of them do. Some of them do. Robbed jeepers. That'll be fun. Uh, I actually need to pick my songs for that still. Because again, there's a lot of characters, so I'm not, I haven't decided where I'm going to go with it. But I'm looking forward to that. And then after that, episode 110 is going to be musical games. Yes. So that's games. Ask me about Loom. Loom. Yeah, Loom, Eternal Sonata. So basically games that like have a musical theme or are somehow about music themselves, the music from those. Music is a part of the Ooh. gameplay and a couple of them that I have in mind. Yeah. Like Loom. So you're going to make some more people angry with Legend of Zelda? Uh, <laughs> I, wow, I actually, Ocarina of Time, maybe it's not entirely a musical game, but I could see you making a case for that. Yeah, yeah, Ocarina, Majora's Mask, and, and uh, Wind Waker. Wind Waker, yeah. Yep. Music is very important. Oh, geez, you have a freaking conductor's baton. Yeah. And uh, Spirit Tracks, too, with the flute thing yep. and blowing into your, your DS. And, Link and is very musical. Link is musical. We forget that. Yeah. You can bring on Cadence of Hyrule. We can bring on Theater Rhythm if yeah. you want, technically. Yep. It's uh, a lot going on there, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, those are our next two episodes. Um, please look forward to those. If you have thoughts on this episode, any episode, if you have feedback, ideas, suggestions, uh, you can email the show at music at rpgfan.com. We would love to hear from you. You can reach me personally. Uh, email is the best way at mike at rpgfan.com. Um, how can people reach you, Greg? I am at Greg Dalmage pretty much anywhere on the interwebs. All right. And Hillary? Uh, best way to reach me is email. I'd say Hillary A at rpgfan.com. All right. And how about you, Audra? Um, email B at rpgfan.com. So along with Rhythm Encounter, RPG Fan has two other podcasts, um, which is Random Encounter and Retro Encounter. Um, given the nature of Random Encounter, I cannot tell you what episode is airing right before or after this because it's a few weeks out. Um, but rest assured, it's going to be about something current whether it's news or reviews, you know, maybe maybe Audra will be on to talk about another recent <laughs> review she did. Uh, we don't know, but be sure to check that out. Um, so Audra Encounter. Audra Encounter. <laughs> um, so Random Encounter posts every other Monday, opposite Rhythm Encounter. And then Retro Encounter posts every Thursday. So Retro Encounter is... Every month they do a game journal on an old episode, and then there's some other fun episodes in between all of those. Um, if you're listening to this when it's new, Retro Encounter should have just finished their game journal on Lost Odyssey. Woo! Um, so actually one of those isn't even recorded yet. So we're actually really ahead of the, of the ball here. So yeah, Lost Odyssey just wrapped up, and I actually don't know what's coming up after that, because again, we're recording in advance, but I'm sure it's worth listening to. So mm -hmm. be sure to check out Random Encounter and Retro Encounter. Yeah, good shows, good peoples. Yeah. Yes. So you can also find RPG Fan on just about every social media. You know, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Twitch and YouTube. Are we on Mastodon, and, Mike? And Instagram. We are sort of on Mastodon. But, <laughs> oh, um, really? That's fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember how the usernames work offhand, so I'm not giving that out today. But generally, <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> generally, you can find us on social media at RPGFan.com. It turns out that RPGFan is generic enough that some people took it on other platforms before us. So 
We are RPG fan com. Curse you RPG fans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we probably shouldn't say that. I'm kidding. We love you. Keep listening. Yes. Curse you RPG fans. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. <laughs> tell, us, tell us how much you love us, even well, though also, Greg just cursed you. And ourselves. We just curse ourselves. Every single one of us. Yes. Well, Greg did. I want to be true. clear here. Greg is the one cursing people. Yes. Okay. Uh, should probably check that email of mine, eh? I'm sure a lot of good things are in there now. <laughs> um, all right. So that's all my fun housekeeping stuff. We have one final thing, as we always do, and that is our bonus track. Yay. Who Woo. has our bonus track today? I think it's me. It's you. Mm-hmm. What are we closing out with? We are closing out with, so the combination of things that we had today got me thinking that I'd want to go to something that was meant to sound kind of like mysterious or not on the battlefield from an ogre battle game. So I picked uh, Fortune Teller from March of the Black Queen. Nice. Just had to get one more ogre battle in here, huh? Yes. <laughs> I appreciate it. If I may, uh, before we play out, just fun anecdote about that song. Um, for anyone who hasn't played it, it's like when you're setting up your character at yes. the beginning. And it, probably like one of the most polarizing things for me as a kid with that game, when you're you're pulling up the tarot cards and um, based on what your answers are, it gives you one of three good leaders or one terrible leader. And <laughs> I remember in the Super Nintendo one is my favorite thing is that typo. Um, you're, you're, I think it's your house is on fire. Who do you save? And it has three options. And it's like your mother, your child. And then the third option is you beautiful lover. <laughs> yes. a typo. I love it so much. It's so good. That's a great you're typo. Like, Me? <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> You're coming on a little strong there, Warren. <laughs> Warren, okay. is, Warren is the wizard guy telling your fortune. Gotcha. Yes. Okay, I didn't know where this anecdote was going, but <laughs> I'm really happy you shared it. <laughs> yeah, it's my one of my favorite localization faux pas, right up there with summoning the almighty guy named Rich. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it. Do us for today. So let's go finish off by listening to Fortune Teller from Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen. Thank you all for being here, and thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Remember Audra saying the words in her accent. <laughs> Brat overflow. Audra or Alana? I'm going to take that again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, oh, Audra and your British accent. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it comes and goes. 